When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide evaluations on all things football recruiting. I'm joined this week by special co-host Barry Wise of the Barry and Mac Podcast and fellow contributor on Sooners360. Thanks, Barry, for joining us this week. Absolutely, Chris. My pleasure, man. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about um, you know you jumping on and off of the Barry and Max show, so it is an absolute pleasure to uh, hop on here with you tonight. Just a re- as a recap, I'm Chris Mason, the lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360.com. Uh, that's the website you can find me. Uh, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe via your uh, podcast uh, platform of choice. And we'll get right to it. So this is episode 49. It is titled, The Power Line is Almost at Full Charge. And as always, we will begin with the latest Sooner recruiting news. And Barry, we're going to start right off the bat with uh, news that dropped this week on Wednesday. Uh, The big news out there, which was that OU got Danny Okoye to commit. Uh, Previously, uh, Caleb and I have gushed over this kid left and right. Uh, We've loved this kid pretty much all uh, all, all winner, we were lamenting back in March that OU had no shot at him, and it looked like he was not going to give OU a, a legit shot for whatever num- number of reasons. Uh, and then, obviously, um, Danny gave OU a shot. Miguel Chavis and the entire staff has done a great job turning this recruiting around. We won't go into – we've already gone into great details on this. So, Barry, you've done quite a bit on our site and both uh, posting some information on YouTube as well about some – some opinions and views on this. I know you're very high on Danny, just like we are. Um, I've been saying on this podcast that the OU staff considers Danny Okoye to be a five-star elite prospect uh, in the same space as Williams Winery and David Stone. So uh, everyone's on this podcast has heard, has heard Caleb's uh, uh, evaluation of him, but I'm glad we've got you on for a, for a little fresh spin. So what do you think OU's getting in Danny Okoye, and is and, and are we making too much out of this commitment? I honestly don't think so, Chris. Um, I, I just posted on 360 today um, a, a full evaluation. For those who don't know, I do a feature called IWEP, or I watched every play. I'll pick random game, and fortunately, I picked a game in which one he played because he did have the little AC joint sprain kind of hampered him a little bit. This was game one of the season, Chris, and it was against Kiefer. One of the reasons that's interesting is Kiefer had a, the competition level Okoye is playing. I'm sure you guys have talked about it a bunch. It is not the same as some of these, you know, 6A division one Texas high school football teams, or even 6A Oklahoma football. But Kiefer had a guy at left tackle who was at least, you know, kind of a a good size, good length, a little bit better measuring stick, so to speak. So, so seeing him play against him was um, kind of a good vantage point. Uh, But I've said it on the on the uh, the evaluation. I think he is probably a top three defensive end in the entire class. I think he is the best accelerator 
of all of the defensive ends, and that goes for Nwaneri, uh JJA, anybody who is, is playing on the edge. I think Danny Okoye has the most raw, um, kind of furious motor when it comes to accelerating, hitting the gas and going. And I posted a little clip over there. There's one where he's playing on offense. And and I said this play really showcases everything because I think it does. Um, on this play, he not only catches a pass, he does a, a little 90-degree angle cut. Um, he's able to land on two feet, jump off two feet, and then reaccelerate the other direction. Phenomenal stuff that you you really only see out of the the Miles Garretts, right? The the Josh Sweats who I um um and then who I compared PJ to a year ago. Um now that being said, he's a little more proportionate of an athlete, Chris. He's not in the PJ camp on the evaluation. Uh, imagine if kind of RMT and PJ had a baby. I think it would look something like Danny Okoye, right? Proportionate. He has good length. I wouldn't quite say it's elite. He he is up there though. Um, he's not the um, kind of the specimen in that respect that PJ is, but he makes up for it with strong hands. He's got an immensely strong core. His balance is great. Uh, there's a whole lot to like. Very few weaknesses in his game right now, other than just the technical acumen that he's going to pick up when he gets to Norman. Yeah, and obviously we did an interview with him in this in uh, in May, right after he took his first OU visit. And I came out of that interview. I, I told my wife, I said, I don't know where Danny Okoye is going, but that is one great kid, and I desperately hope OU uh, is able to sign him because he was just it's a great interview. And he mentioned in that obviously in that interview that he intends to enroll early, so he's going to get an early jump on the technical side because he'll get to go through spring. And, you know, he'll be there for all of that. So he'll get kind of a jump on that. Barry, when I went back and looked at this video, I was, I kind of had forgotten that two, two things. One, uh, he's so effective, both of the hand in the dirt and standing up. So that, which isn't really something I think of PJ as being so much. I think of PJ more as a classic hand in the dirt defensive end. So I think there's a lot of different yeah. stuff if you, that OU could do with a Koye. Um, cause he's just so mobile. And the other thing was, um, when he does have his hand in the dirt, just how low he is, his, his pad level is just, he's, and, and he just sort of explodes out of it, but it's just, there's this one clip where he's, he's, it's almost, it almost looks like something like out of a, a Ridley Scott alien movie where he's moving <laughs> back and forth and, you know, when he's in his stance and he's moving back and forth across the line and it's just. He doesn't look human almost doing it because it's so fluid and fast. Because, you know, he darts inside, he darts back inside, and he's never leaving his stance. And he's just like, he's moving on all fours, like back and forth. And it's like, wait, is that, that, did they speed that up? That They, they must have sped that up, and it yeah. was not sped up. And he just looks, it almost looks like something sort of like, you know, um, uh, some, something, uh, something, not, something not quite of this world. And, uh, and his physicality, I mean, he just, when he explodes out, I mean, he his power, his power game is 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 impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's he's strong, man. I mean, the, the, everybody's seen the uh, the the trap bar deadlift that he has. I, I want to say it's like seven thirty, and you, you can look and see that he has so much power in those feet. You watch his uh, toes. I watched it again today before I put the evaluation up, up there. You watch those toes, the way they dig into the ground, uh, the the way he's able to engage that back. Um, he's not exceptionally broad, right, in, in his shoulders. But, so maybe defensive end, kind of in the classic way we think of it, like a Miles Garrett, you know, like PJ will eventually be, which I think that's a great point you make. With Danny, his movement in the open field, although PJ is great, Danny can move in space. And he is a little more of a, almost like a souped up Nick Benito. If you put 20 pounds on Nick Benito and, and told him to play with, with his hand in the dirt a little more, I think he's a little more in that regard. And even Benito was pushing 240 by the time he got out of, of, of Norman. So he was a, a big guy. I think Danny's going to be closer to probably 250, 255, if I had to guess. 
Um, but man, his body fat is so low right now. He's probably in the uh, like 13 to 15 range, if I had to make a guess. Um, so he's going to arrive to Norman in really good shape, be really lean. I think he's got a chance to to make an instant impact. I mean, I think at a minimum, you could create a package for him, third down, um, you know, third down pass rushing package for him and, and focus on that if you were if you were just fine tuning while you're fine tuning other things, just get him on the field and let him let his physicality make some plays. Right. That's when you've got these elite guys, that's what we're starting to notice the defense doing. Right. I mean, the got out there today. I mean, sorry, on Saturday, you know, just let his athleticism. I mean, he made some mistakes, but just let him make it make get an elite athlete out there with length like that. And he's going to make plays. So, and that's what you miss with uh, sometimes, you, you know, you just, you, you can't coach. You can't coach some of the things Danny could bring to, to the OU defense. It's, his physicality is just, as you said, off the charts. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'll, I'll kind of end with this. I think he is the. I think he's the best defensive player in the class. Um, I, I think he is trying to just run down the rolodex of guys, but I don't think. Even comparing him to David Stone, and maybe let's not go best. He's certainly my favorite, but I think his immediate impact and his ceiling is absolutely through the roof. And a lot of that has to do with his versatility. David Stone is a fantastic prospect, but a lot of stuff still needs to go right. He needs to get to Norman and do a few things. Danny is a little bit closer to, I wouldn't call it a finished product because there's a long way to go there, but I would say Danny is a little closer to what he needs to be to see the field than I think Stone is right now. Okay. Well, that's the that's Danny Okoye. We've given him a, a, a long runway on this show the last couple of weeks, and he's deserved every bit of it. It's a massive pickup for OU. Uh, we couldn't be happier about it. So, Next up, we've got a next up on our commitment countdown. We've got Terry Bussey going on September 28th. It looks like Texas A&M is in front there. Uh, you know, OU's done, I think, as well as they can with Bussey. I think it comes down to whether uh, Texas A&M stumbles, and they may not stumble enough by the 28th. Maybe they have some stumbles later in the year, and OU can circle back to Terry Bussey depending upon what happens uh, with A&M, the rest of A&M season. But I, I'm not anticipating any late-day drama with Terry Bussey this week, which is unfortunate. I love him as a prospect. Uh, sounds like a really good kid, but it doesn't look like anything there. Um, in terms of guys we have dates on, the next commit watch is Daniel uh, Aiken Kimmy on uh, October 12th. And, uh, Barry, you had a chance to uh, – Daniel's doing really some very creative stuff on his social media brand, trying to build his brand up and all that. And I know you had a chance to watch his official visit video on YouTube. And uh, and it's 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 interesting. He's kind of giving us a little bit of the behind the scenes of an official visit. I think this is the first time we've ever gotten this this much of sort of a behind the scenes visit visit view from a from a recruit. So um, well, what did you think of it? Well, it was interesting. You know, it's the first time I think ever that we got to uh, see Coach Beanbow in that kind of light. Um, Beanbow was obviously okay with it, right? He obviously gave it the the go ahead. Uh, Daniel's mother was there with him, and I think the biggest thing that struck was one: it's a culture shock, right? Brent uh, introduces him at the team dinner the night before the game. Says, "Hey, this is Daniel Akinkunmi." He's here uh, from the UK. A lot of the guys there, some of them didn't even know what that necessarily meant. Uh, so, so Brent had to explain it. Uh, some of those guys were, were were there from it's 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 literally foreign, and it seemed to be that way for a few. Uh, but he he seemed legitimately excited about what he was seeing. Um, he he met so many people. He videoed um, from what it looked like, Chris, about every single interaction that he had on campus um, and even arriving and leaving the airport got everything on tape incredibly friendly staff that that really had the kind of the handout um, ready to do whatever was needed to try and 
sway or, or, or woo him in some respect. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting, I believe it was Grayson Halton who uh, walked up to him, Chris, and uh, kind of gave him the little nudge with the arm, like, oh, my gosh, you're a good-looking athlete. Where'd you come from? And uh, I thought that was certainly interesting. But I think one of the things that shines the most, and I, you know, my job, my day job is relationships, and it's being around people, and it's trying to build buy-in and find out what's important to folks. Um, that, that is a lot of what I do, whether athlete, regular person, whatever the case may be, try and kind of find that switch. And Brent Venables, in even the small clips that he was in, he is just electric, Chris. You could watch him for 15 to 20 seconds. And I know people see him in the pressers. He's long winded. He gives, you know, 30 minute answers for, you know, a, a two word question. And, and I know at times it can seem like a bit much, but you can tell when he's recruiting, when he is around young men, um, athletes who are, are, who he wants to be a part of his program, he is on. And, and there is something about him, the way he delivers his message, just the way he says hello, the way I'm, he, he says, I'm going to see you later. Uh, what kind of experience are you having? I think that matters. You know, we've seen Danny Okoye kind of brought it up, j just the uh, the presence of him in the building, and you felt it. Uh, Beatenbow, for a little inside baseball, getting to see what he kind of looks like in those recruiting elements. He was about like I expected. I think the analogy I gave over in our admin chat was he felt like a... Uh, uh, a factory worker, or maybe like a, a manager, who's who j they just hired the new guy, right? And the, the new guy did he just filled out all his paperwork? He's you know, and he's uh, got got assigned to this guy to give him the tour, and he's like, "All right, over there's where you're gonna take lunch." You know, that's the the stain where Jack spilt over Jill's coffee, and. You know, here's the assembly line where you're going to be for six hours a day. So it felt a little bit like that, but it also felt like beating Bo. It was just him, right? I, I think that connects with some guys and it doesn't with some. He's not going to put on any kind of act. I think that is clear. He's not the guy to try and, you know, oversell or, or be some charismatic guy that he probably isn't. He is what he is, right? He's kind of a a, a low-down country boy who was great at coaching the offensive line position. Um, I'm sure some Sooner fans might disagree four games into the year, but the guy's track record is good. Uh, but overall, love seeing him being able, talking about Daniel, able to leverage his brand, able to get stuff out there. You know, we've had a chance to go back and forth with him. Uh, similar to Danny, he's just a fantastic young man. You know, I wish nothing but the best for him. And, and I think Oklahoma, for all that they offer, is going to potentially be a good fit if that's where he picks. Yeah, it's, you know, it's nice seeing, um, you know, Brent just being that authentic, right? He just, he just, he's not, it's not like fake, it's not like fake enthusiasm, fake genuineness. It's, he, he's, he's obviously able to portray that, you know, that he generally cares about the kids. He's generally very, you know, his excitement about the program. Um, if you watch the OU DNA show, you notice when his team meetings now, he has an hourglass to, to that's right on the podium. Oh, yeah. To, to keep track of time to make sure he's, which I think, yeah. which is, I think is a great little thing there, right? It's a little visual cue and, you know, doesn't throw you off from your message, but it's, it's letting you know, okay. Um, and Bill, you know, you, you know, every, if, you know, you work with lots of young people and they just smell in office, you know, when people are being unauthentic, right? When you're not being yourself, that, you know, teenage, I mean, to use a bad phrase, teenagers just smell BS, right? They just, oh, their, yeah. BS, their BS detector is like super finely tuned. So Bill's just got to be who he is. And if, and you can't be just, you know, be who you are and let the rest of the OU message and let Brent be, Brent bring the energy, bring the, bring the guidance. Cause you know, to a certain degree, O-line is a little bit of that. Look, we're crunching and we are, you know, we're banging steel every day. I mean, it's a little, you know, if your analogy on the, car about the, the assembly line it's like yeah. every play we're we're building a car every 
you know, every series we want to be building a car and everyone's got to, the guy next to me has got to bring you the door and you got to rivet the door in. And if he doesn't do that, then, so it, you know, it, it perhaps yeah. the analogy works better than you actually, than you actually thought in terms of. It, it actually a, might. That actually is pretty good. I might have to it, take that to Twitter. That's pretty um, good. On that, but um, I'm just happy that Danny had a great visit. I, I was yeah. a little worried about the culture shock thing. You know, you're coming from England. He's, you know, he's near, he's, he's at a college in England. Uh, he was working out the, you know, he's been to America a couple of times because the NFL Europe Academy thing has allowed that. But, you know, to have him, to just see him having a good time interacting with people and to watch some of the, the, the precision details OU's doing in their, in their weekends, you know, all the, all the swag, all the letters, all the stuff, the precision sort of blocking and tackling stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not you know you don't follow recruiting to the detail, to the level I have, but OU hasn't always done some of those block and tackling things as as precise as Brent has them going on right now. That you know, making sure they got the right visitors, they got the right people following, you know, following the guy around campus all day. They haven't always OU hasn't always had you know that that finely tuned, and it, Brent seems to have that operation down to 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 a fine measure. In terms of everything is pretty much all those boxes are getting checked and, and and making sure. But yeah, I can imagine for him, it's it was a great travel travel you know great little travel travel vlog that he's got there. So it's um, hopefully we'll get some good news on uh, October twelfth, and because uh, I think he would be a you know he's uh, he just showed videos. I think he's he's what six five three fifteen now, and he's like. Yeah, he was like 20%, 29% body fat, something like that. You know, that's the benefit of him being in the program that he is, Chris. You know, the the NFL um, program that they have, the uh, perk is those coaches are good coaches. They don't bring in just nobodies to help assist and run that program. That They have guys who really know their stuff, and it's almost a little better situation than I won't, you know, throw a school under the under the bus here, but you know, pick random school, right? I've done stuff with like eight man football and just the level of uh access to resources, the coaching, the the weight room, stuff like that. He is getting I've seen that weight room in videos, man. He is getting high level coaching from from really good coaches, uh, both on developing his body. He seems to have his nutrition down pat. He looks like, and I'll, I'll put it this way, he looks like an offensive lineman who is about 16 months into his time on a D1 campus right now, right? He doesn't look like a finished, you know, Trent Williams product when he left Oklahoma and he's up there getting drafted in the in the first round, but he looks like a guy who has been on campus for a little bit. I want to say um, Logan was his uh, his his counterpart. Logan Howland. Logan Howland. Logan Howland. And he looks better than Logan already. And Logan looks solid. Logan has developed. He's a good-looking athlete. I was really high on him. But I think that uh, – I think Daniel looks better. He He's had good development. The genetics are obviously insane. He has the makings if the tenacity is right. You know, if he can get the little Orlando Brown in him, because um, we, we don't know if that edge is there, you know, to be a premier right or left tackle wherever he ends up at Oklahoma. But man, the, the measurables and the raw look and ability all seem to be there. So we're still waiting on a, four or five players to kind of make commitment dates, and it's the names we've been repeating about the last month. So we're waiting on Grant Bricks, Devin Jordan, the Tulsa Union cornerback, who I think maybe is getting close to a date. We're still waiting on Michael Boganowski, and I don't know what's going to break the dead the, the dead heat there with OU and K-State. That seems to be a dead heat. Grant Bricks seems to be OU Nebraska as well. Uh, I think Eddie Pierre-Louis, we probably need to add to the waiting list. I think we're getting close to a commitment date from him. That hmm. could be trending OU's way and would be a huge pickup. We are starting to see some social media follows by the coaches at safety, cornerback, and offensive line. They're they're starting to get some of their backup plans in place. That's the one thing this coaching staff does not fall off on. They don't. They're not so confident about their 
their ability in kid landing kids that they they ignore continue to keep communication lines open with some kids and along that line they've off a new offer went out this week to Reggie Powers he's a safety committed to Michigan State he's from Ohio he's 61 about 200 pounds uh his junior film he is an excellent in the box safety he's a killer in the short passing game and in run support uh almost to the point where you could you know I'll throw the cheetah term out there you could see him easily as that fifth uh that fifth db linebacker hybrid but this year his uh his coverage ability he's playing a little more center field safety a little deeper coverage and he looks really good at it so he's got that sort of potential that I think OU wants from their safeties to be able to be, you know, like Reggie Pearson, like we're seeing from Peyton Bowen and Key Lawrence, right? We're seeing guys that can still play safety, but also be a little more of an in-the-box safety if they have to be as well. And Reggie Powers certainly fits that list. And he hasn't decommitted from Michigan State. Michigan State hasn't officially fired Mel Tucker, but that program is about to have a massive blow to their <laughs> recruiting class and, and have players being available. And, and I, if, I haven't, we haven't, I haven't watched their roster to know who their best players are, but you can guarantee that multiple Power 5 programs in the country have analysts watching Michigan State film and have their, their not-so-tamper lists ready to see who wants to, uh, who wants to hit the portal. So it's a, it's a big mess at Michigan State. And OU, again, OU also offered uh, Justin Denson, the safety from Rhode Island that I really like. He's a verbal to Michigan State. He keeps tweeting OU stuff. Uh, around, so don't be surprised if he decides to decommit from uh, Michigan State that OU and Florida get back involved with him, especially if Boganowski drags this thing out and start. he's talking about maybe adding some additional visits. So uh, I, I like Michael Boganowski on, on, on tape, but at some point I think OU's going to be like, we can find some safety guys, You're, you know, not to be not to be unkind, but Five-star offensive linemen and D linemen maybe get to maybe get to drag things out. Um, three to three, four-star fringe safeties. You, you need to get off the you need to get off the uh, the recruiting pot, and make a decision. Um, so because OU needs to OU needs another safety in this class, a big safety. So I think I think if if Michael's is I think OU probably gives Michael until September to get things figured out, and then hmm. we're going to start bringing in some other kids because we. You know, we have that UCF visit weekend right after the bye week after Texas where you could bring some kids in. Man, Chris, can we just unpack the fact that, you know, that they are so well organized with especially defense, the fact that offers may or may not fall through and the secondary option is a four star six one two hundred pound safety who is currently committed to Michigan State, but who I think is a, a really good player when he kind of popped on the radar. I completely agree with you. He has, he, his coverage ability, and I'm talking about Reggie Powers, is is solid. I, w- I would say it feels a little bit like, like Reggie, where Reggie has to, I'm talking about Reggie Pearson Jr., uh, Reggie has to kind of hedge when he moves, right? He has to use his, he, he is very quick, um, linearly, right? He kind of gets downhill really fast, which is a lot of what Powers will also offer as well. But when it comes to moving in space, they have to kind of navigate things a little differently. But just the fact that they're organized enough to kind of, this goes a little bit to what Damien says, they know who the football players are, right? They know who the guys are who are able to come into a system learn and understand what what coach venables is teaching which i think is huge i guarantee you that they dive into that more with recruits than maybe even we realize they don't just look at the raw data the 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 measurables what is being put on film i guarantee you with as complicated as brent's defense is and how much stuff he wants to do they're probably throwing the the fire hose on on them in terms of uh just knowledge of defense where they're currently at what they're learning in high school and then just what their uh, ability to absorb um, while they're on campus what that's going to be like I guarantee you there is some feeling out um, in in that respect but 
just an incredibly organized staff when it comes to just quality scouting. We see it this year with the product that's on the field. Quality scouting, know what you're looking for, and have options, right? OU hasn't really had to go to number two, three, four, and five a lot since Venables has been there. Maybe year one, I guess. Well, what was when they had to kind of jump down the list, and then obviously when David Hicks didn't commit, that was certainly a blow. But just amazing to see the the level of proficiency in just knowing knowing who your targets are and knowing who you can wait for late, and knowing who you need to lock down now. Well, it's that precision and recruiting that leads me. Nice lead segue there for me. Uh, we've got obviously the Iowa State weekend coming up, and the big visitor is Jordan Seaton, the five-star offensive tackle from IMG. And obviously, when you're talking about some precision and putting pieces together, well, OU's using Davin Mitchell's official visit for this weekend, so they'll have Jordan Seaton around Davin Mitchell, who we know is a gregarious, you know, big-time Sooner guy, but also someone who's was recruited by all the kind of national powers. Uh, especially Alabama and Miami that Jordan Seaton's being recruited by and Davin Mitchell chose OU over those guys. And then David Stone's going to be in town all weekend as well. So you know mm-hmm. that David Stone is going to pie Piper Jordan Seaton through. This is how, you know, this is big time football. This is a big time football place. And let me show you how big time you can be if you're big time here, because I'm going to walk around campus and everyone's going to know who I am. and um, you know, if you want to be a rock star, follow me at OU and we can be rock stars together because, you know, David's David will be on campus and it'll and kids will be asking for autographs. It'll be and it'll be a zoo now that Stone because this is his first time back on campus since he's committed to OU. So it'll be a that's it'll right. be a social media zoo around David Stone. I mean, if you're one of the radio, um, if you're doing a, a you know, a radio event pregame. I mean, I'd be like, David, you have got to come on our show, right? I mean, you know, you're doing the remote radio show, you know, and David's on campus and you can arrange to get him on. I mean, you know, that that's a no-brainer. So just that, just those small pieces, putting them together, I think that's just a key sign that OU understands how to put things together and, add, and there's a level of precision in recruiting. Like, okay, Jordan Seaton's a huge guy. Everywhere he goes, people are treating him like a star. How do we guarantee that? How do we? And again, this is Davin Mitchell's visit, first visit to OU since he's been a visit uh, to a game since he's been a commit too. So, how do we? We're we surrounded point. by two of our stars that everybody on campus is going to want to talk to. So, it's and, just, and really two two big personalities at the end of the day, right? I mean, we we got a chance to meet Mitchell. He kind of has the, a little bit of charisma to him, a little bit, and and obviously with David Stone going back and forth with people on X. You know, I, I saw he had the little beef with the guy who's, you know, calling him out because of the whole clip that circulated on, on, on the Internet. I'm telling you guys, you, you know what I'm talking about, Chris, the, the eighth yes. grader who supposedly, OK, man, anybody can get got at any given moment. And you don't know what Stone's effort level was, what where his. So that's a whole big to do about nothing. But boy, how strategic. I didn't even think about that that they are pairing up uh, Seton, who is a highly rated prospect, right? All the flashy schools want him, right? You're Miami being a big competitor. Just the the location of being at IMG, you saw what it was, you know, to David Stone. Um, I don't know if it was as close as people might think or as he wants to lead you to believe it was. I actually think OU had a pretty hefty lead. but. But what a good pairing uh, of just two guys who are going to. Seton is not the low key Daniel Akinkumi who's going to come up there with his mom and just have this sort of low key, very uh, scaled back visit during Arkansas State weekend. It's not going to be that. Seton wants to see a little bit of the glitz and the glamour, um, see a little bit of the. Uh, the the other element that Norman has to offer, and I think that's a fantastic move by by the staff. Yeah, we'll see if there's any other names that pop up. It's OU's, you know, this is their last. They go to they go to Texas, and then they go bye week. So they're a little off the recruiting trail for a couple of weeks, and then they have UCF coming up. 
So we'll see if anybody else decides to show up. Obviously, you know, I could throw out a half dozen names. We don't have anything precise right now on anybody else we think will be on campus that we can talk about. So uh, I'll avoid going through the, the, the flipmas list of everybody's favorite targets. And, you know, if they are committed elsewhere, they're going to want to come in under the radar. So we'll have to, if we do get some info, we'll have to, we're going to have to judge, you know, do we, how long do we sit on it? You know, do we sit on it until we can make sure until they're on campus and it doesn't matter? It's out there. But I, I would just be prepared for some, you know, just some noise this week. Maybe the names are right. Maybe the names are not right. Just, just be dubious about what you hear and, and, and we'll keep you informed on Sooners 360 once we, once we know that things are actually uh, legit. So, so I guess, Barry, sort of our last quick topic, uh, while I've still got you, is do you think the defensive line class is done? So at this point, oh, you potentially could flip williams Winery or uh, Dominic McKinley. I'm not sure where I would put the odds of either one of those. Uh, do you make new high school offers? Um, is there an RNT, Marcus Strong type out there that just deserves a late offer? Uh, do you try and add another JUCO guy? Uh, they already have Danny Saeed from Hutchinson, the big nose guard. He's got three years to play. He should be on Ooh, campus. I, I like I like quite a bit. He 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 needs a lot of strength and conditioning. Um, he needs a lot of conditioning. Uh, well, he's got he's going to get that from the, the <laughs> deep, deep, you know. Dmac stories tell us that he's going to become a close personal friend of um of of Jerry Schmidt if he shows up around six three three fifty right I mean it's oh, it's, yeah. it, it's 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 game time Danny be ready yeah I, man I, I honestly don't know you know I Wyatt Gilmore has I won't say he's grown on me but now I see the logic right so so you've got Jaden Jackson David Stone. Uh, Danny Okoye, uh, you've got Wyatt. Who am I missing? And Nigel that? Smith, just um, Nigel Smith. Nigel just... Smith, yeah. So I mean, man, I what I would say if if you were going to go out and I'm trying to think of local products still out in Oklahoma right now, or even guys kind of in that northern Texas area. Uh, but but at this point, I don't know if OU. Here's where I'm at with this. You've already got a Marcus Strong, who I actually think is going to have a chance to to make an impact with Oklahoma, whether it's this year or the next. He strikes me as as a guy who has the ability to do that, um, based on the measurables, based on um, how he's developed since being there. Um, Ashton Sanders, we loved him uh, just as kind of that low profile guy. OU really doesn't need a whole lot more of those guys, Chris. They've got those guys. I think OU needs to load up on the high profile. We see it week in and week out when they play. They have they've gotten better on that defensive front. The the defensive ends have, have gotten better. The interior is playing more consistent, in particular in the run game. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on our uh, space that we uh, we do tomorrow. But they need guys who are going to flash and win against double teams and make an impact. And that is your David Stones, your Danny Okoye's, uh, potentially a Ni- Nigel Smith, um, or if you're able to flip a Dominic McKinley. Or I think Winery is probably out of the. I just don't know. I, I don't see that one happening. I think Danny is such a good alternative for that. That why even fight that battle you know i'm sure there's context still there but why even fight that battle uh but mckinley me and caleb have talked about it a lot he's probably my favorite interior honestly edge piece too he could really play anywhere best overall defensive line product in in the class in terms of his his ceiling maybe not today but his long-term ceiling um his profile is, is through the roof so I don't know if you go out there and and, and grab um, any more projects. I think this is a class that's relatively loaded. You know, it, even with Nigel Smith, I mean, this is just something to think about. I mean, Nigel Smith, four or five years ago, Chris, would have been the prize of the class. No doubt. That, was a, that was about the level that OU was able to acquire on the defensive line. And this year, they've got, 
three guys who I think are better in Stone, Okoye, and I really like Jaden Jackson. I know he's the um, kind of the guy who gets forgotten outside of Wyatt Gilmore, but I think Jackson is going to be a a really, really integral piece to what OU does um, in their defensive front as, as a guy who allows a little bit of flexibility for Stone to work, right? If you don't have a guy who can kind of man the middle, especially in kind of the, the, those 30 fronts, um, in, in the way of a guy who's just kind of a, a run-stuffer pole setter for guys like Stone, Okoye, Smith, to be able to get after it. If you don't have that, it's hard to build. Georgia has a few of those guys. Alabama has a few of those guys. And then they've got their their elite people on the edge who just know how to go get it done. So, I mean, I guess to put the kind of the long and the short of it is, uh, unless they're a flash guy, the numbers are so good that they've been able to acquire. I don't know if you do, Chris. So I guess the only other question is, if you can't flip Winario McKinley or someone of that of that class, and I, I don't have any other names coming up, I think JJA is pretty locked into Georgia at a, on yeah. a strong level. Um, do you play? Would you play portal bingo in December and and just see if there was one piece that you could add that would be that somebody who has two three years that could be could be a difference maker piece? Yeah, I mean you've got to. What OU's putting out there right now, right? Before you'd be like, well, no, we're not. We wouldn't be a top destination for a yep. for like a five star defensive lineman who's unhappy where they are. But I think now, if the defense trends this way the rest of the year, that OU's defensive portal attractiveness is only going to go up. Oh, easily, right? And you got guys like Mel Tucker who are going to be, you know, done right. And Michigan State historically has had some some guys on defense who can play. Right, so you're going to have um, a program like that. Um, I don't think West Virginia's got too many guys anymore. I think um, Neil Brown's probably at the end of that stick. So you're going to see some well, guys leave there. He might be saving his job with. You think with so? That. Well, the Pitt win and the win over Texas Tech. If they can get that quarterback back, and yeah, it's a, it's a wacky. The middle pack of the Big Twelve is very oh weird. My gosh. I don't know what to do. I know who the bottom teams are. I know that OU and Texas are playing really well, and KU, if they can keep Jalen Daniels upright, looks like they're they're, they're doing, my number three. They're, yeah, they're my number, number three. three. If they can keep him upright, I mean, they got like an eight and four kind of record looking at them, which would be great for Kansas. But that middle group between UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, TCU, maybe TCU can move out of it into the top and. You know, but case what is K State doing? Because their defense doesn't look doesn't look really good like last year. They've, they've got a lot more pressure to score points, and they don't have the playmakers. So, I don't know. West Virginia, I think, is in that middle area. I don't know what to do with them, but uh, but yeah. I, so, would you go? Would you would you go portal or would you? Because I think if you can, I think there's a good chance you might get back some of the guys we thought could leave. Right, like Jacob Lacey could come back. Like you know, yeah. Terry can come back. I think even Trace Ford, I've heard, is having a great time in Norman. And, you know, another year of rehab and being healthy could help him. He's, yeah. he's shaking off that sort of PTSD, not really PTSD rust, but just sort of that injury rust, right? Just Sure. You know, just that injury yeah. rust from the, for the lost time he's had. So, you know, if you have one, if, you know, if you have one or two ships and, you know, do you, do you play portal bingo in December? And I guess at a certain level, I, you, you've got to at least try if somebody comes in that you want, right? Yeah, and D, I think the if there's somebody, if there's someone elite out there, you've got to go do it. Um, okay. If there's someone who can be a, a potential game changer that in the way that uh, I think Bothroyd, you know, he hasn't been, you know, off the charts All-American status, but he has best, been an had his best day, best day on Saturday, right? He did. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's not on the team, who is manning that spot if you did not get him? So I, I think you do. I think you're probably of the people who could leave, right? The Ford being one who says, you know what, the injury thing has been too much. I'm going to end up going to the NFL, just having a, a shot at it. Um, I, I think there's a scenario where we're one, maybe two or three guys leave, but we also, too, we haven't been able to see that Venables effect yet because he hasn't had a long enough relationship with these guys. We saw it at Clemson, 
where players chose to stay. It was yeah, those, a crazy the four thing. D-line guys, right? Christian Wilkins could have left easily. So what do you do with that? I think I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of that. That's where relationships matter. You know, one of the things that I think really stuck out to me to circle back to Daniel Akinkumi, and it's kind of a kind of a grand um, sort of speaks to what the staff is doing. Is they had every single coaching staff member write Daniel a hand, not even his position coach, right? We're not even talking about Beanbow. We're not talking about an analyst who also works with the offensive line. Every coach on that staff wrote Daniel a handwritten note that was there in his room where he is staying when he arrived. And I think it's that personal touch that is why players who are high-level draft picks say, you know what, I'm going to give Clemson another year. I'm going to stay another year in Norman and see what we can do because the relationships are good and because I trust them, right? I, I, I know that they have my best interests at heart. So I think if the product is good, Chris, OU is going to have options um, come bowl time when the, the portal starts really uh, filling up. I think OU is going to have some serious choices and hopefully doesn't have to fight so hard for the elite guys. One well, last thing. Oh, you, you, you need to pay me if you follow through with this idea because I've got it on record. So we need to tell OU if they sign Danny, uh, Danny Akinkumi, that they need to take his YouTube video and turn it into an OU DNA episode in the winter. Ooh, I, man. I, mean, I, I think he is going to, he's interesting in just his, his feel for media, his feel for what people want. His feel for people having an interest in his journey, right? Every recruit now is doing stuff on social media. That he's one who's kind of doing it a little differently than the other people, and and I think that is a. I think it's just something to watch. I think OU is going to find a way to lean into that, and if they don't, they're they're not very they're not doing it right. You know, you got a player who is from overseas who's coming to your program, who's potentially going to be a dude. At least he has the the framework to do it. Man, I, I like where that young man is heading. Regardless of what his decision ends up being, I, I think he's someone who's going to succeed no matter where he goes. All right. Well, I think, uh, Barry, you need to, do you need to duck out on? Do you need to duck out? Yeah, I, got, I probably got to. Get out of here. I got to go handle a few things and uh, get some stuff ready for tomorrow. Boy, I've been so, so busy, Chris, but it was, it was a pleasure hopping on with you tonight, man. I, I, I need to do these more often. A little change of pace from the Barry and Mac show flow. Yeah, and uh, it's nice not having a nice, nice, nice me asking you questions uh, the other way, sort of the other way around. So I appreciate you joining us to give us a little perspective on D line recruiting. And, and thanks so much, Barry. And Let's uh, let's hit a couple other topics before we uh, we end this podcast. So the first thing is, where's though you stand right now in the recruiting class rankings? Uh, right now, with rivals, they are around number five. With the two four seven network, they're around seven, and with on three has just rechanged their rankings since uh, since the last time I wrote this down. So let me just check here real quick. Sorry about this wait here, but uh, they've redone their rankings in the last couple of last couple of days, and I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Because we're now we're now we're still still at number eight. Oh, you still at number eight? So, oh, you's trending right now towards a top ten class. Uh, I don't think top five consensus is probably in the cards unless uh, a couple of things happen that it's hard to project. Maybe a big time flip. Um, possibly could put there if OU is able to get um, Grant Bricks and maybe Jordan Seaton online uh, into the O line class. That 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 stands a chance of moving the needle a little bit. But I would say maybe in the I think OU's firmly you know on pace to be a another top ten class, not top five, but the third top ten class in a row. And there's there's some elite talent here. There's also quite a few play, OU players who are underranked in the class. Uh, by the various different networks. The networks, each one sort of under underrates a player differently. So this, if some of that stuff can balance out a little bit, like Eugene Brooks is is ranked really well by one service, and the other two services are not really ranking him where he should be because he's 
really a top 200 type player. Uh, same thing for Jaden Jackson. Rivals really has him ranked in the top 200 and the other two services haven't quite got their act together. Even 247 still has Danny Okoye as a three-star player on their own, on their individual, on their rankings. He's, he's a composite top uh, 200. But once those things balance out, OU, like last year, has a chance to maybe move up. If you remember, Jackson Arnold and PJ were both uh, not five stars when, when some of this process started. Uh, PJ didn't really get the super ranking bump until the end of the year when people really realized where he was and, and after the Under Armour game. A little bit, same thing for Peyton Bowen. Uh, he, he, moved, he vaulted up during the, during the fall, and some other guys also had their rankings move up. But that's where OU currently stands. I think a top seven or top eight class would be a very good finish for OU, putting with OU, you know, bringing in what I consider, you know, at least right now, they have five or they have four or five guys who I would consider just elite at their position. Um, Daniel Okoye, David Stone, um, Taylor Tatum, Zion Kearney, and Davin Mitchell. Those are the, the five I would consider to be the best players in the class overall and, and really top 50 top 50 type players. So as I mentioned on three redid their rankings and, you know, I hate to quibble a little bit about this. Some people say I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but they, they dropped David Stone two point, two spots. And while it's just two spots, he went from 13 to 15. I'm, I'm just baffled how they're, how they could be watching what he's doing at IMG where he's the best player in IMG. Clearly, he's playing elite competition, and he's the best player on the field every time he plays. And that's just this year. It's not like he's stalled out from his junior year film, which was just excellent as well. He's gotten better. He's playing better. I mean, he's making big-time plays. Uh, His pressure that he's creating, uh, he may not always get the tackle. He may not always get the sack, but he's forcing tackles and sacks you know, tackles for loss and sacks to occur for others. He's feeding the rest of his team. So I don't really understand it, especially in light of the fact that they moved his teammate, Jordan Seaton, up to number seven. So they're obviously watching IMG film. You know, I think Jordan, you know, I think I won't argue or debate whether Jordan should be moved up to number seven. But if Jordan is number seven, then David's got to be, got to be, you know, Six or eight, not fifteen. It does. It just doesn't work this way. So it's a little, it's a little puzzling to me that they still have Colin Simmons and they added L.J. McRae, the big, long defensive end from Florida. Excellent prospect. Uh, I, I just don't think his film is as good as David's. He's, uh, but you know, he, he's an excellent player. So you know, to just gripe a little bit uh, about a two-spot drop, drop. I know some people criticize David for complaining about it, but. You know, he he's he's literally the best player on probably the best high school team in the nation, playing the best competition. So how how do you drop? And he's nowhere near reached the ceiling of what he can be. So you factor in all those conditions, and I you know, if you want to say Danny Okoye is not a top fifty player in the nation, and you say it's because you worry about the level of his high school uh, his high school competition, I, I disagree with you. But you're your argument is at least consistent and, um, you know, on, on some level makes, and it, you know, makes sense. We disagree, but yeah, your argument, your arguments, it's a clear argument. David Stone at, at IMG is literally playing probably the best schedule in the country. So level of competition, not an issue. His performance on the field, not an issue. His overall, you know, his, you know, you could say if he was a different position, like, Maybe he was a, a tight end or something. You're like, well, tight ends don't get to be top play, 10 players in the nation. Okay, he's an interior pass rushing, run stopping, every down defensive tackle. He is the gold star, gold plated unicorn in college football recruiting. The guy, the guys you have to get, the players you, you in order to beat Alabama, well, maybe not Alabama this year, but to, to beat Georgia. To beat Ohio State, you need to have this guy. You need to have guys like this, or you know, you need to have players like this on your team. So I, I don't really get this. So I'm a little confused about that. So uh, 
But last but not least, uh, to, to end you guys on some 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 in season some in season notes to talk about a little bit what's going on the field because you know we're ninety percent nearly ninety percent done with the two thousand twenty four class twenty five stuff is starting to heat up. We'll talk a little bit more twenty five stuff next week. Oh, you made a couple of interesting offers which we kind of need to go into and. I want to talk a little bit about what those players could be and why you made those offers. But let's talk about the Big 12. And I just mentioned it with Barry that, you know, I, every week I do kind of a knee-jerk reaction uh, power ranking of the Big 12. And right now, when you're looking at the Big 12, there's basically to steal something from the uh, Big 12 Sirius XM guys. They were putting the Big 12 teams into tiers. And right now, I would say the tiers are, are really pretty simple. So tier one right now is Oklahoma and Texas with KU just on the edge of that tier, being very close to being in it. And for the sake of this argument, we'll, we'll slide KU in. They've got a game of Texas this week, which will tell us a whole lot. I, in terms of, I mean, that's, a, that's an ambush game for the Longhorns. If they are somehow going to, you know, not be the consistent team that's, that's plagued them over the last sort of 15 years, this KU game, it would be, would be an old, would be an, the the old Texas team. This would be an ambush game. This would be this would be Jalen Daniels comes into town, upsets Texas before the OU Texas game because Texas was looking ahead. So, so those three teams are right there, and then you know the bottom tier is is pretty clear as well. Tier four, we'll call it, and it's Houston, it's Oklahoma State, it's Iowa State, uh, it's Baylor, and they're probably talent wise don't belong here. But Texas Tech is one and three, and at some point, being the best one and three team in the country still means you're one and three. And they just lost their quarterback Tyler Shuck. He broke his leg. He's out for the year. Just terrible, terrible uh, situation for Tech. Feel terrible for the kid. He was uh, poised, I think, to have a good senior year. They've got a decent. They've got a you know, Morton Barons, I believe, is their backup. Uh, pretty highly recruited Texas high school kid. So uh, he didn't look great though against West Virginia. Wasn't able to really mount a lot of offense to get them back into that game. So Texas Tech is in a tough spot right now. Uh, can they can they play their way out of it? Yeah, probably. But uh, if Barron struggles, there there are more losses coming, which which is going to put uh, you know everybody was really high on Joey McGuire at Big Twelve Media Days. A lot of people were calling them the trendy sort of upset pick to make the Big Twelve uh, championship game right now, and they're they're in a world of hurt with a road loss to to West Virginia, so that's the bottom, and I think that will move up and down depending upon what goes on. I believe Houston, a no issue, play later this year. That could be for both teams' uh, chance to get their only conference win. Okie State did settle on a one quarterback. Maybe that will give them a little momentum moving forward. Uh, the Iowa State Oklahoma State game didn't go the way I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like a uh, 6-3 taffy pull, but instead it was like a more offensive explosion than we've seen out of either team uh, all season. So, you know, you, I think OSU, Houston, you know, it could be the bottom. Baylor looks really bad. I'm, I'm kind of stunned how bad they look. The backup quarterback situation is obviously hurting them because their starter is out. I'm not sure if he's out, how much longer he's out. But Baylor looks really bad. There was a bad Baylor team playing Texas on Saturday night. They were not really giving the kind of level of effort that you expect, at least on defense from a Joa, from a, from an Aranda team. So that's that, that's a warning spot there. The the wheels could be fall the wheels could be falling off there at Waco. So and then you've got the middle range teams, and so you've got the two teams that have upset losses and are maybe not as good as they were last year, but they still have some talent, and that's K State and TCU. I don't quite know what to make of either of those teams. Uh, K-State's giving up a lot of points on offense, on defense, much more than they were last year. They seem more, their, their pass defense seems to be more vulnerable. Uh, then you've got, uh, then you've got K-State's opponent, UCF, and Kansas's opponent, BYU. You know, they're, they're the new Big 12 teams. They just played their first Big 12 game and they lost them and they lost to Kansas and, and K-State. So, you know, are they, are they going to be able to, is the grind of playing Big 12 football and that step up, is that going to hurt UCF and, and BYU in terms of depth and ability to put out a good product every week? Again, BYU, after a, a, a excellent upset victory 
against Arkansas on the road. You know, Kansas pulled away from them, and, and defensively, BYU looks like it has some serious problems in terms of handling uh, handling handling uh, good quarterbacks and good quarterback play. So, uh, you know, and then in, additionally, I don't know what to make of West Virginia. They they beat Pitt. You know, Cincinnati beat Pitt. Uh, not quite sure what to make of of them, and I'm not to make sure what to make sure of OU's opponent last on Saturday. On Saturday, the Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati has really good athletes, probably you know top six in the Big Twelve ath- athleticism wise. But I'm not sure about their depth, and they they seem a little bit self destructive, and and Emory Jones doesn't seem like he's he's got that level of execution to kind of push them over the top. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, I think a lot of teams are going to have a problem with their defense. Uh, a lot of not, some not very good beef offensive lines in the Big Twelve, and the uh, the Cincinnati front 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 personnel can cause quite a bit of problems. So that's where I would view uh, the kind of the Big Twelve right now as of this moment: OU, Texas, then KU, and then you know probably TCU, K State, and then probably some order. Um, UCF, B, BYU, and uh, and Cincinnati, and West Virginia. I, that order, I have really no idea. But I think the bottom five is is very much established. And you, you, you know, the only team I think that can really pull itself out of that bottom five might be Texas Tech if they can if Barron starts to improve, and um, and then I think. Iowa State, if this Rocco kid who who blew up uh, Oklahoma State secondary, if they can find a little bit of offense and their defense stabilizes, they they might be able to pull out of that. But I think Houston, OSU, and Baylor are 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 going to possibly be the, your permanent residents in the in the basement. So OU's played four games. Um, we've done a lot of predictions and reactions on this podcast uh, in the preseason about where we thought OU would be and what we thought OU could be. Uh, right now, obviously, they're 4-0. They have a home critical home game coming up against Iowa State. The OU defense looks like uh, they should have a relatively easy, no, I wouldn't say easy, but they should, they're well prepared to uh, stop Iowa State's offensive limitations and to make this another low-scoring game in Norman uh, by, the, by the opponent. Defensively, they gave up quite a, quite a lot of action to Oklahoma State the other night. Uh, I think OU could put, you know, OU needs to get a little more consistency going on offense, being back at home. Maybe that will help. But I I think you'll see, uh, presuming OU is able to take care of Iowa State, going to Texas, I'm not going to make a prediction on the OU-Texas game. It's just, it's too too difficult. Who knows what the storyline that decides that game could be uh, between now and then. There's there's too too many moving pieces. And that game is always just a snake pit of, Best team, best team doesn't win it, uh, and and best teams struggle to win, and and uh, it's 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 a predictive nightmare. But let's just say OU uh, comes out of that game, and then, and they're not able to beat the Texas Longhorns. Let's just take that as a stance that puts OU at five and one, with six games left, a nice mix of uh, home and away. Um, they got UCF after a bye week. Uh, and then, and then they've got the rest of their, their schedule run with TCU in Norman on Black Friday. I think you could see OU with only one loss going into that game. And uh, TCU appears to be putting, you know, riding the ship after the terrible defensive performance against Colorado. So their offense seems to be getting in, in shape and they seem to, be, seem to be finding their way. But OU's definitely on the same boat then. The OU defensive trajectory, I think, is probably much higher than TCU's defensive trajectory. So uh, I think we're trending towards OU finishing 11-1, and 10-2. Um, yeah, my only concern is that OU does seem to be racking up some injuries uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They've, uh, the, the reemergence of Dasan uh, McCullough being a huge addition with the loss of Justin Harrington. Uh, so, and OU... You know, we haven't seen much from R. Mason Thomas or Josiah Wagner. So both of those players hopefully can get past some of their injury problems and provide a depth boost in the second half of the season. 
um, on the pass rush and in the secondary, which I think would be a great help. So, yeah, but I do, I'm, I'm a little worried about OU's injury situation on the defensive side of the ball a little bit. So I, I think OU right now is, you know, and I'd like to see a running back. I think we'd all like to see a running back seize the position and be the every game starter and, and start to move the chains a little more reliably and, and create some bigger plays. So if OU can make that progress in the running game, and then and a couple of couple of different sites and and folks, uh, Gabe Eichert included, thought that the OU that the O line wasn't as big a problem in the running game against Cincinnati as we generally think. It's a it's it's close. It's out of sync, but it's it's this, we're not as far away from having an effective uh, running game to complement the the emerging uh, playmaking wide receivers than we think. So. That's the other trend line to, to kind of watch with, with OU. Uh, but that's where we are. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us for this uh, this Sunday episode of the 360 Podcast. Uh, we'll be back this week with another 360 Recruiting Podcast episode. Uh, please follow me on Twitter. I am CM underscore Sooners 360. On, sorry, on X, not on, on X. I'll be doing a, a X space with Barry Wise tomorrow morning. I'll be doing those probably moving forward on Mondays for the rest of this fall. We'll be doing it Mondays at 9.30 Central Time. If you want to have a different different feel and a different uh, different touch point on some of these topics. Also, again, uh, we're on Sooners360.com. Please give us a try. Subscribe. We've got good content. We have a really good message board, really good discussion. Uh, you can talk recruiting there intelligently all day long. Post. You don't. I don't have a chat session weekly because I don't need to. I'm answering every question that I see and posting content left and right as we see it. So uh, please give us a try. Our game day content and post game content is pre game and post game content's really good, very insightful, very analytical, not just uh, a regurgitation of the of the press conferences. Uh, you know, just. The same stuff you can see in about 10 different places at this point. Just really good analytics and and analysis. So thanks, everyone. Uh, Please subscribe, and we will talk to you again later this week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.